This is Tony Drake, Certified Financial Planner with Drake & Associates, and this is the Retirement Ready Show. Our goal is to educate you on the many topics of retirement and inform you how to create a successful Retirement Ready Roadmap. Thank you for joining me today for another episode where we will make your Retirement Ready Roadmap simple. I'm Tony Drake, Certified Financial Planner with Drake & Associates. You can always visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. Lots of great tools and resources, some really great ways you can connect with us, completely complimentary. If you have a quick question, you can set up a 15-minute phone call, or if you'd like a second set of eyes on your plan, maybe you're doing your plan yourself, or maybe you haven't even started your retirement plan, that's a complimentary process with us. We can sit down, talk through where you're at and how we can help. We can even create your retirement-ready roadmap that's completely complimentary. You'll be able to see the calendar and set those up virtually or in person right at retirementreadyshow.com. We also have some great evening workshops this week. In fact, will be our last two for the year. For our friends in Wisconsin, we're going to be out in Okachi on December 5th and 6th, 6.30 p.m., one hour talking about the state of the economy, interest rates. We know taxes are on the rise in 2026. What can you do to protect yourself? We're going to walk you through some ideas and concepts. Those rooms do fill up. We have a couple spots left, but we do need folks to register ahead of time. You can see those dates and times and register right at retirementreadyshow.com. Got my buddy, Randy Winkler. Hey, Tony. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? Good. You're still eating turkey leftovers? Or? No, unfortunately, all the turkey's Guess they're gone. probably bad at this point, huh? Is there such a thing as bad turkey? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> not. Maybe not. Turkey's always good, right? Yeah, uh, we had some good turkey and a lot of it. And, uh, another smoked turkey this year. And uh, that is, I don't know how it gets so juicy when you hear That's the way smoked. I, yeah, yeah. That's the way I do it, too. I, I get a lot of wild techniques I've put together over the years. So I, I wet brine it for 24 hours. And then I take it out and I stuff the cavity with citrus and butter and some herbs. And then th- this is where I, m- I might lose people. I take mayonnaise and I mix it with seasonings and I coat the whole thing with mayonnaise. And that yeah. fat kind of protects it. And, you know, and then I inject it with a bunch of stuff. Oh, but That sounds tasty. It's good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Randy, we're uh, really excited again this year. We're, um, you know, working with uh, Toys for Tots. So for folks that want to join us in helping those in need this holiday season, Drake and Associates is an official drop-off site for Toys for Tots. Now until December 14th, we'll be collecting new unwrapped toys in our Waukesha and Mequon locations. And we really want to help spread the joy uh, to children in our community. So we're really looking forward to that. Got to get that stuff over to us by December 14th. That's when the uh, Marines come and they always look so sharp in their uniforms and always so grateful for their service. But they'll come and pick those all up and um, really great to help out you know kids in in need in the community mm-hmm. and they get those to santa that's right that's right santa <laughs> santa will get those delivered that's for sure well great topic this week Randy. i want to jump in maybe folks are thinking the hard part is over now that you've spent all those years saving for retirement but do you know how to turn that savings into income in retirement that's really the name of the game probably the number one question we get randy some version of do i have enough money am i going to be okay and ready for most people getting ready to retire, there's a couple big questions. Have I saved enough? And will my money last? Another important question to consider is how much can I withdraw from my retirement accounts? And where do you start? These are some big questions. 
Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest question we see. We typically meet with really good savers. People have done a great job throughout their lives investing and um, building up that pot of money, but they haven't really thought about where do I take it from? Do I take it from the account that's going to be taxed as income? Do I take it from the account that's taxed as capital gains? Do I take it from the after-tax account? How does Social Security fit in? What if there's a pension decision to be made? So a lot of times people get this, oh, man, I never thought about that. This is a lot more complicated than just having a bucket of money because there's a lot of uh, the, these national media people that say you need X amount of dollars to retire. Well, you know, a million dollars in an IRA is different than a million dollars in a Roth. It's like how much, not how much is in there, but how much is actually yours? How much do you get to keep? So that's a, that's a big part. And I think it's kind of the fun part because a lot of times the people we meet with, they're in good shape. They just don't know how to do the next steps. And that's the kind of stuff that we math geeks uh, really enjoy digging into and coming up with a strategy. And it can make a huge difference. I know you, you talked uh, a while back about somebody who changed the withdrawal order and it added 10 years of success to their financial plan. It's shocking. I mean, I think what people don't really think about sometimes is the taxability of different accounts. Right, We have these kind of pre-tax retirement style accounts that are great in our working years because we get to defer the taxes. But once we start taking it out, every dollar is counted as taxable at the ordinary income tax brackets, which can, you know, generally for most people, that's the worst brackets to be in. Then if you had a little bit of extra money and you did some savings or investing, you might have an individual account, a joint account, a trust account. These are what we refer to as non-qualified accounts. And for the most part, depending on what you're invested in, that's going to get that preferred capital gains treatment where if you've held something for a year, it can be pretty discounted, somewhere between 10 and maybe 23.8% or so. Most people probably fall in that 15 to 20% bracket, so not bad from a taxable standpoint. And then you got the Ross, right? I mean, that's our, that's our favorite. Why do we love the Ross so much? Tax-free. Tax free. <laughs> I like to have fun with that. But but I think, Randy, a lot of people don't, don't think about that, that timing those at the right time in retirement, taking them out when it's advantageous to you. I mean, that's one of the tricks of the ultra-wealthy when they're doing tax planning is they really control what type of tax they're paying and when and how much. And all of us every day, you know, kind of normal, you know, middle of America folks can do that too, right? And and it's available to us. We just have to really think about that and and really time that right. And that was a recent example that you brought up, Randy, where I had a couple that came in and, you know, we ended up doing a lot more for them. But initially, all I did is I was like, whoa, let's stop taking withdrawals from that account. And I created an income plan for them. So we maximized Social Security And we really took a hard look at their various accounts and we created a plan on where am I going to get my income from, from what account and what order, how is it taxed and how long is it going to last? And just that simple change initially added about nine years to the longevity of their money. And that's, I mean, that's pretty substantial. We we didn't, you know, create any more aggressive investments or we didn't add any more money. We just changed the order in with in which we were taking it out. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll tell you a story from uh, my Thanksgiving holiday. My wife and I went up to visit her family in the Minneapolis area and my uh, father-in-law was a great guy. He said, hey, let's go out to breakfast. And then we went to a park and went for a long hike. And uh, he starts asking me and he's really into the stock market. And I think he, he sometimes doesn't get what I do. He's like, well, what about this stock? What about this stock? And I'm like, you know, let's, that, that's that's the vehicle. Let's talk about some tax things. And then he kind of shifted gears and it's like, I turned 73 next year and I got these RMDs. And then we started talking about 
Roth conversions, which I've mentioned to him for the last 10 years, but you know, he didn't want to want to hear about. It. Now he's like, I just did the math and I can't believe the tax bracket I'm going to be in. <laughs> so he's scrambling because he's got the, he's got the month of December to do some Roth conversions before he gets into his R and B year. But when he started talking about some of the tools we have and, and I think for the first time in 10 years, I think it really clicked. That's but great. Unfortunately, he's lost the big window there, but uh, the impact is much more dramatic but it's not i think for most people it's not as interesting there's you know broadcasting we can talk about the stock market which is very interesting i think it's more narrow casting when you talk about taxes let's talk about your specific situation one-on-one not to the mass market because some people just kind of oh yeah whatever it doesn't affect me but it does it really does affect everybody and you bring up a great point randy you know when it comes so many tax strategies we can talk about but you know kind of low-lying fruit that is available to most of us is these roth conversions and to your point, though, every December 31st that clicks by, we've lost another opportunity. And we know the way the tax code was written, the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act, that kind of tax cut we all get, that doubling of the standard deduction, that expires at the end of 2025. So we know in 2026, not theory, not my opinion, we know taxes are going up in every tax bracket except for the very lowest, the 10%, which most of us aren't in. But for all the rest, those rates are going back up. And there's some time here. There's still a little bit of time here in 2023. And then we got 24 and 25 where you can take advantage of that. And if, if you think about those tax brackets as buckets, think of it kind of, you know, where, what bucket am I in? And does it make sense to fill that bucket? And the answer might be yes, might be no. There's some complexities to it. There's that kind of mean Aunt Irma that can come in <laughs> if you you do too much. That causes more taxation on your Medicare or, uh, excuse me, more premiums on your Medicare. So you want to be careful how you approach this. Yeah. And I've had a number of people lately. So what if they extend that uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which they might do, but you can't plan on it. You know, if you say to somebody, hey, they're having a great sale on you know Black Friday sale, maybe they'll extend it. Great. Are you going to wait in the hopes that they extend it or are you going to take advantage of it when you know it's there? You know, we would love it if they extend that because it gives us a few more years to do, you know, Roth conversions, some of the tax planning strategies we talk about, but we have to assume they're not going to. So I don't think we're ever going to look back and say, boy, I, I wish I would have waited and paid taxes at a much higher rate. I think a lot of people are going to go the other way and say, boy, I wish I really would have done more larger Roth conversions while the brackets were down. Because in theory, if we can get everything moved over out of that IRA into the Roth prior to age 73, you're not going to have a required minimum distribution. At that point, you stop caring about what the tax brackets are as much. You're going to pay taxes on maybe if you've got a pension or if you've got uh, you've got Social Security. But for the most part, you're not as concerned about Irma. You're not concerned about your RMDs. It really makes a big difference. And, and I don't mean to be too pointed, Randy, but, you know, I, I can just see the headlines in 2026 and, you know, the media can certainly be sensational. And But I can see the headlines, Uber wealthy, take advantage of lower tax rates before they went up. But we can all do that right now. Right. And I would suggest if your advisor's not talking to you about these things, it might be time to find an advisor that's more holistic, someone who's helping you take care of these things. And the reason why I say that when I, when I think about our retirement ready roadmap, we're really talking about addressing the five key areas in retirement. Of course, investments are important. There's the income plan, there's healthcare, family planning and tax planning. And it's not uncommon, Randy, for us to meet a family. And they might be doing pretty good in up to even up to four areas. Maybe their investments don't look too bad. 
may or may not have an income plan. Maybe they've done some kind of estate planning for the family, right? They're pretty solid on their health care planning, but they're missing tax planning. And sometimes that's really the biggest area that we can help. And just that change can add sometimes six figures to the portfolio. I mean, we're talking about $100,000 here, and that's a lot of money for folks. And it's just sitting there on a table. That's money we don't have to send in to Uncle Sam. And I I think it's just so overlooked because it it is tough. It requires, you and I were just working earlier today on some continuing education stuff, Mm -hmm. and it just requires a tremendous amount of continuing education and training, you know, to stay on top of these tax codes and and these strategies. But Boy, is it worth it. I mean, it really makes a difference with the longevity of the portfolio. And, you know, I always say there's optional mandatory taxes. Why pay taxes we don't have to pay? Let's pay the ones we're legally required to pay. But if we can keep the rest of that in your account, that answers that question we started with. Do I have enough money? Am I going to be okay? Great topic this week, Randy. We're talking a little bit about income portfolios and There's been a little bit of controversy in in the financial planning world, and I think there's been a, you know, kind of an icon in the financial world, Dave Ramsey, and he's recently stirred up some controversy amongst financial advisors and analysts by claiming 8% is a safe withdrawal rate as long as the conditions are right. Whew. That's yeah. a that's a loaded one. <laughs> yeah, when I heard that, I was uh, uh, come on, Dave. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey. In fact, I used to buy his book, Total Money uh, Makeover, and give it to people because I thought it was really good, no nonsense. Well, amazing stuff, it. right? If you're in debt and how to kind yep. of organize your budget, and great for kind of young working families. Incredible stuff right. there. Yeah, he he, get, he gives it to you straight. He's not trying to paint that this is going to be easy. He says it's going to be hard. It's going to take this amount of time. He's got some really really great. Uh, points that he make. I think he's just a great coach. But on this one, I think he went a little bit off the reservation. Uh, his assumptions, and this has been studied, and he talks about the super nerds, and they 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 have united against him. 4% has been studied for many, many years as being the safe withdrawal rate, because that's factoring in inflation. That's factoring in what we can expect from a well-balanced portfolio. And it's a safe withdrawal rate. It's not the hope we hope we're going to be okay. Hope, hope is not a plan. <laughs> so he said for years that you should be able to get 12% from a uh, growth stock mutual fund. And uh, that always reminds me, and that's the one thing I've always had an issue with him, that he's being a, a little bit uh, aggressive there. I heard, this is probably about 10, 15 years ago, and it shocked me until I thought about it. It said that the average mutual fund investor did 10% worse than the average mutual fund. Wow. And I'm like, how is that even possible? You know, if, if I'm, this is my pool of investments and that's what I'm picking from, how could you be so bad to get into the wrong ones at the wrong time? But what it really was, it was timing. People are getting out um, when the market's down. They're getting back in when the market's up. They're trying to time the market. They're not investing according to their risk. So they're not taking advantage. Yes, you can say what the market average is, but you have to be in it if you're in and out. So to say that, oh, you're going to get 12%, you know, according to that study, you're probably actually getting more like 2% because you're getting in and out. So I think if you're in a, an appropriately created portfolio for your risk, you're not getting in and out. You're not selling low and buying high. You're doing the opposite. You're buying low and selling high. You could probably go a little bit north of 4%, but I wouldn't start there. You know, it's if you're 10, 15 years into retirement and you say, Hey, this is looking really good. Well, then you can up your spending. But if you start from the first day taking big money out, you might be back at work 10 years after. Well, and I think it's just so dependent on 
what decade you retire in, and you don't know, right? right? I mean, when you retire, we, we don't know what that first 10 or 15, 20 years uh, of retirement is going to look like from an economic standpoint. What we do know, though, is losing money early in retirement is very impactful. It's what we call sequence of return risk. Hey, podcast fans, if you're ready to take the next steps to create your retirement-ready roadmap, then visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. Here you can download educational white papers, sign up for educational no-obligation workshops, or schedule your complimentary consultation. Also, don't forget to follow us and like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now back to the podcast. Here's a couple highlights, uh, Randy. I was reading an article about this topic this week, and it was t- you'll, you'll like this title. It was titled, Super Nerds Unite Against Dave Ramsey's 8% Safe Withdrawal Rate. And, you know, obviously, you know, he said, you know, he is perfectly kind of what started it, I guess, was he said he's perfectly comfortable with drawing 8% from his retirement accounts each year, as long as he's making 12% and inflation remains closer to 4%. He said that researchers who advise sticking with a lower withdrawal rate are super nerds who live with their mothers in their mother's basement with the calculator. And now there's a lot of financial analysts who disagree with this figure, saying there's too much uncertainty with the real world and real markets. And here's a quick example. And I know sometimes it's hard to follow numbers on, on, on the show here, but just bear with me for a second. Here's an example of how your finances could be impacted by market downturns, according to the super nerds who dispute his advice. From 1995 to 2000, let's say you had a million dollars invested in several American funds yielding a growth of 16 to 30% each year for four years. In the year 2000, returns only rose by 2.9%. In 2001, your investment slipped by 7.5% and you, you still withdrew your planned 80000 for income. Your $1 million has now dropped to just over 850000 In 2002, the portfolio falls by 17.8%. Thanks to inflation, you need to withdraw a little over $81,000. Your account balance at the end of 2002 is now down to $632,000. In 2003, the funds rebound by 31.4%. But because you have less capital to grow, your ending balance is only $722,000. The next four years, you see an average rate of return closer to 12%. But by 2007, because of inflation, you're taking out $91,000 a year. In 2008, remember the housing crisis, the portfolio falls by 37%. At the end of 2008, your portfolio is down to $345,900. And even when the funds recover in 2009 with a 34.6% rate of return, you'll still have under 350000 And because of inflation, you'll need to take out more than 100000 per year to maintain that standard of living. Following that trajectory, your account balance would fall to zero from 2001 to 2013, all while the average rate of return in the markets remained a normal 8.3%. So... That's where it becomes challenging. That's that tough decade where you didn't know what you were retiring into. Um, so in, in a perfect world where you can say, yeah, I'm going to make 12% a year and inflation is going to be under four. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But it never happens that way. Yeah. What surprised me about that one is you actually started out with an amazing five years going from 95 to 2000. You weren't starting out bad. You were starting out in an amazing bull market. If you had started in 2000, the story would be 
much, much worse. So, you know, it's always good to hope, but uh, it's better to have a plan. You know, so, so look for a, a lower um, reduction rate to withdrawal rate that could be adjusted. There's, I know there's some strategies where if you have a good year, you take out a little bit more. You have a bad year, you take out a little bit less, but uh, you, you can't be overly aggressive. I generally tell people that when we're doing a plan, I want to be conservative because I never had anybody come back and complain after 10 years and say, hey, I've got a million dollars more than you said I was going to have. But I really don't want somebody coming back and like, why are you telling me I have to go back to work because I'm out of money? So to be a little bit more conservative or I would even say realistic, and this, this is a Dave's Dave's plans a little too hopeful for my taste. So I guess. I, yeah, I think super so. Nerds. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think that's the problem with using average rates of return. Right. I mean, it's something I've been talking about for, I don't know, 15, 16 years to retirees. You know, when you're looking at a long term 20, 30 year average rate of return, that's dependent on time. Mm-hmm. And, and I would argue time is the one luxury we all give up in retirement. Right. So why use the one data point that's that's based on time? Right. That's probably to me, average rate of return might be the last figure we want to look at because we really need to look at what could be potentially up and down swings, you know, because that can really, really sting us. Yeah, I think I've told this story before, but uh, early in my career, I had a mentor who had a analogy. He might have been the guy that started me on my path to analogies for everything. <laughs> but um, we, I was talking about average return and I was really into the, the market returns and trying to predict what was going to happen in the future. And I never got my crystal ball. So but anyways, he said, he goes, let me put it this way. If you had a friend who was moving here from Florida and said, what's the average temperature in Wisconsin? I was like, I don't know, 50, 55. He's like, okay, let's assume that's, that's the truth. That's accurate. How often would he be comfortable dressing for that weather? <laughs> like not very often because we're going to be up to 110. We're going to be down to 20 below zero. So it's accurate information, but it's not meaningful to say the market averages this. Nobody has, there's never been an average year in the market. So it's an easy thing to talk about. And then people are like, oh, it was a really bad year. No, the market goes down. Wow, it was a really great year. Well, the market goes up. There's no such thing as good or bad. If you've got a plan, you can, you can adapt to it and take advantage of it. And I think, you know, like folks saw in that example I gave, it's those loss years that really, really sting you because you still need to take your money out, right? Electric company, all your bills, they're not going to say, oh, you know, let me wait for the market to recover. I mean, they want to get paid. So we have to take the market out regardless of market conditions. Good news is there are ways to deal with that. There's ways to resolve that. But it comes down to having a plan and a plan that works. Randy, you talked about it being cold. We're in the Midwest. Winter's upon us. Yes. <laughs> I, I have a good one for you. Ready for this one? Is Put it your... really a good one? Let's well, see. <laughs> I, I think so. I don't don't know that everybody always agrees with me. Yeah. You have your finger over the good I one do. button or the I, laugh I'm ready. Button. No, okay. I'm ready for the laughter. <laughs> okay. I control the soundboard, so okay. it's always funny. Where do penguins keep their money? Where do penguins keep their money? It's wintertime. I don't know. In a snowbank. Oh. <laughs> okay. That one's so 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 so. Right. It's not so, as bad so. as some. Yeah. <laughs> is that better? I don't know. Last week's was really good. I can't remember what it was. I was trying to remember it and share it with my nephew, who appreciates that kind of humor. Yeah, I like the dad jokes. Yeah. That's good stuff. I think some some people have heard me talk about. I have a personal trainer I've been working out with. I don't know, maybe fifteen years now, and he climbed Grand Teton with me this last summer yeah. with me and my son and his brother and. Yeah, he's the king of dad jokes. He always has new ones for me each week, and I just don't know how he remembers them all, though. It's pretty impressive, but it's good to laugh and good to have fun. Oh, yeah, definitely.
But great topics this week, Randy. We were talking a little bit about income and planning and some of the things that we're dealing with in retirement. I read another interesting article this week. Um, it was titled, Women, Especially Younger Ones, Are Taking Retirement Savings More Seriously. Pretty interesting study that came up. Yeah. They, uh, women have gotten much more involved in investing, which is good. We heard a statistic a while back. We were at some some tax training, and if I remember correctly, it said 80% of men die in a relationship and 80% of women die single. So Wow, I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. I, we did hear that. Yeah. yeah. So that the women live longer. So there's a pretty good chance that they at some point are going to be taking care of the money. And we see from a lot of people, we, we work with some do-it-yourselfers and they come in and, and it's not always the husband. Sometimes it's the, it's the wife saying that, hey, if I'm not around, my spouse doesn't understand or isn't interested in this kind of thing. And we need, we need some help. I need, I need somebody to, to help out with some of these areas. So that, that's very common, but uh, there's a, a been a, a dramatic turnaround and how many women are involved in investing. So um, Fidelity reported a 48% growth in new women customers opening individual accounts uh, in 2023, as opposed to 2019. So that's a huge jump. And they said six in 10 women now invest in the stock market outside of their employer provided retirement accounts. So 57% of women baby boomers are investing in stocks and mutual funds. That goes down to 55 for uh, uh, Gen X, goes up to 63 for millennials and all the way up to 71% for uh, Generation Z. So there's a there's a been a really positive trend there. And there, there also is what they call the retirement savings gap. That's improved uh, since 2019. 60%, 68% of women are saving for retirement compared to 77% of men. That used to be a much bigger gap. So it's nice to see that that every, everybody needs to be involved and don't stop from um, investing and doing financial planning because it's something you're unfamiliar with. There's a lot of great resources, books, tools, websites to do it yourself, to get some help. Well, and it's been an interesting challenge, I think, when, when you think about, you know, women in retirement. And I think historically, this is some really promising data because historically, women have not invested as aggressively. So it's great to see that changing because we know the key to long-term wealth in retirement is to get started and get started early on, on a serious level. Also, women live longer, right? So we need to have income for a longer period of time, account for inflation over that time period. And to your point, they often, you know, statistically end up widowed. So they're there having lost at least one of the social securities. And oftentimes there's less expenses to offset that. But so there's some interesting challenges when it comes to women in retirement planning, income planning. And I think those are important things to consider. Right. And over the years, we've seen that um, sometimes, uh, it, not to be stereotypical, but a lot of times we see that women are more conservative, also probably more uh, charitably inclined more interest. It's very typical when you talk about legacy. So it, uh, it, it's good to see a, a mix. That's why it's nice when we've got couples because, you know, opposites attract and you've got some people that are very interested in the, uh, and only want to talk about the portfolio and others are very interested in what's going to be left over in legacy. So it's good to, to marry those and, and to have a, have a guide take you through all of the different stops in retirement. Really important. And, and Randy, you brought up kind of the more charitable nature of, of, you know, female investors. And I think it's an important time to think about that as well. You know, when it comes to tax planning, there's so many different avenues. And I think we end up talking about kind of Roth conversions with the rising taxes just because the clock is ticking. It's important to get it done. But for those who are giving, right, I, earlier this week, we had Giving Tuesday. That's a big, you know, drive for a lot of these charities and 
For those that are giving on a regular basis, there's also some great charitable strategies that we can talk about. And maybe we have some time today to talk about a few of those. And and I want to kind of set the stage. I think, at least for me, you know, many years ago before I really fell in love with tax planning, um, you know, I heard about charitable strategies and my mind went to, oh, that's for the uber wealthy. That's for the multimillionaires, billionaires of the world. And there's certainly tax planning for those folks. But there's also a lot of great strategies that everyday, right. you know, hardworking Americans like you and I and everybody tuning in can also take advantage of. And I know you've been working with these with a few folks lately. One of those is called a DAF. Now, that stands for Drake is an Awesome Financial Advisor. No? No. No, it actually stands for Donor Advised Fund. But but, uh, DAFs can be really powerful. Right. These are probably the things that we talk about that get people the most excited. I had somebody this week, we were talking about it. She was literally bouncing up and down in her chair because she was very charitably inclined. And this would be a very, very great tax strategy for you. So how they work, let's say you give $10,000 a year to charity, and that's not enough to hit the um, itemized deduction limit, but you do it because you're interested in charity and out of the goodness of your heart. But let's say that you could do 10 years in one shot. So we could do $100,000. In the donor advised fund, you can put it in there and still distribute it over the same schedule. You're still taking the money out $10,000 a year and distributing it to charities, but you can take that entire $100,000 as a tax deduction in the year that you make the contribution. So it doesn't change anything from a, from the, from the charity standpoint, they don't even notice a difference where you notice the difference is that it can have a really big impact on your tax return. And where we've seen these to be very valuable is quite often somebody has some sort of an income event or a, a large capital gain. So somebody gets a, it's very common that somebody's got deferred comp and they retire and then their deferred comp pays out and they get this big chunk of money and they have their highest income year, the year that they retire. And they're like, well, what do we do? We just jumped several brackets. Well, these donor advised funds are not something you do every year. There's something that you do once or maybe a few years down the road to take advantage of kind of bunching those, those deductions. So they can be really, really powerful uh, for people that are charitably inclined. So it, it generally doesn't make sense to do charity to get the tax return. But if you're already charitably inclined to doing it, definitely there are ways to, to leverage that to save money on taxes, which in many cases just means you've got more that you can give away to help others. And a lot of times you can layer some of these things, right? I mean, you can, to your point, you can maybe do a larger donor advice fund, maybe preset 5, 10, 15 years of your normal giving. And then either we can push into a really low bracket or, or a tax-free scenario, or we can offset it with a large Roth conversion, get a bunch of money growing income tax-free, but not pay that big tax bill on that conversion. So great ways to incorporate that. Also, Randy, in just the last couple of minutes we have left here, really low-lying fruit if you're 70 and a half is the QCD, the Qualified Charitable Distribution. Yeah, these are another ones that are very popular, and there's not too many things that we can say they're just out and right, probably out and out good work for everybody, but the QCDs might fall in that category. Uh, once you reach 70 and a half, so that's where the uh, RMD age used to be, the required minimum distribution. It's since gone for and, and just to clarify, Randy's not making a mistake. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 this is interesting because they've changed the RMD age, but the QCD age is still 70 and a half. Right. Everybody in our industry is kind of waiting. When are they going to match these up? But they haven't, uh, which gives us a really nice benefit. So the required minimum distribution age is now 73, but you could still start QCDs, qualified charitable distributions at 70 and a half. 
And how they work is you give money to charity directly out of your IRA. So when we talk about donating money to charity to get a tax deduction, that's fantastic. But if it can go out tax-free and you can give your entire RMD um, or, or less or more to charity. So if somebody's charitably inclined, they don't need the money from their IRA to live on. That's I met with somebody this past week. He was getting very upset because I don't need the money. I don't want to pay this. How do I get out of my RMD? And I was like, you know, sir, I, I agree with you completely. It's not my rule. We're just trying to help you find a, a, a way to um, make this a little bit more palatable. And the QCD is something that's been very, very popular. Yeah, the, it, it really is. And even if you're, say, putting, you know, $20 a, a week in the basket at church, there's a much more effective way if you're 70 and a half and you have a traditional IRA to give that same money but get a great tax benefit. And why not get that? I mean, you're already charitably inclined, but why not get the uh, that, that uh, tax benefit? But, you know, when it comes to income insurance, tax rates, health care, investments, legacy planning, boy, it can feel overwhelming. There's a lot of different pieces that go into a complete retirement-ready roadmap. And if you've been working with different financial professionals in all these areas, it might be time to start looking for someone that can help bring it all together. And that's what we do with our clients every day. When you think about these key areas of retirement, and we've touched on some of them so far today, I want to invite you to think about where you are right now. I'm going to go through and challenge you to think about those five key areas. Rate yourself one to ten. No sevens allowed. And if you're six or lower, it might be time to take a look, get some of those areas fixed. It's just a simple phone call. You can visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. You've been listening to the Retirement Ready Show. Hey, podcast fans. If you're ready to take the next steps to create your Retirement Ready Roadmap, then visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. Here you can download educational white papers, sign up for educational no-obligation workshops, or schedule your complimentary consultation. Also, don't forget to follow and like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Drake & Associates LLC is an independent financial services firm that utilizes a variety of investment and insurance products. Advisory services offered through Drake & Associates LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. Drake & Associates LLC is not permitted to offer. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed